Okay, so we're in First Peter chapter 2, and, and uh, we're going to look at 2 and, and a little bit of 3 here. And, and I'm going to guess uh, that um, uh, today is going to be uncomfortable for pretty much all of us. So if, if, we, if I could ask you this, what topics in Scripture do you think are the most, uh, most debated and most hated among non-Christians? Among non-Christians, the most, the most critical of the Bible. The things that you would, like, where they would say, like, how can you believe the Bible? It says this. What would those be? So I remember, uh, we, had, we had answers, yeah, okay. Ready for this? I remember being in a, a, few, in a, a church I was serving at a few churches ago, so it was a little while ago now. I remember being at a business meeting. We call it business. It was uh, anything but. <laughs> um, there were some, uh, some structural difficulties and challenges and in, in, leadership issues and, and, and infighting and all kinds of, all kinds of drama. And I remember, um, I remember the leadership, I don't know who decided, but someone decided, you know, we're going to have an open mic meeting. It was the first and only open mic meeting I will ever be at in a church. Uh, it went three hours, which that was like, okay, fine. But, but it was, um, anyone who has any grievance to come share, you have an open mic to share with any and all and, uh, and, and we won't cut you off. You, and, and, and we didn't, and people knew it. And I remember one lady in particularly getting up and she was a, a leader, a volunteer. Uh, and she was you know, well-known in the church and, and honestly a great lady. It was nothing, I mean, she was wonderful. And, and I remember her getting up and saying, um, you know, in response to someone saying, we need to do what the Bible says about this particular topic. And, and, um, and she said, well, listen, uh, not everything in the Bible applies to us today and she said if that were the case um, that then uh, then we would all own slaves and that men would rule over all of us because the bible is pro-slavery and anti-woman and you know i'm sitting there just like come again <laughs> and and i and i remember i remember what really got me what made it personal for me was was she prefaced it by saying uh you know i went to bible college i graduated from Biola University. That's my, if you don't know, that's my school. It's also the best school. And, and that was like sort of the, I went there and I got a good education and here, and, and I'm sitting there going, whoa, you don't, like, you just said that. Here we go. And so because the Bible is pro-slavery and anti-woman, um, clearly there are things that we should not be, that should not apply to us today, including on this topic of leadership and this issue and the thing. And, and it was one of those moments that it stuck out to me like, Oh, wow. Okay. This isn't even a non-Christian. This is someone who's like, I'm in, I follow Jesus. I serve at this church. And I think the Bible is pro-slavery and anti-woman. And it was one of those moments of, whoa. Now, today, Peter is gonna address those two issues. And he's gonna throw on two more just for fun. <laughs> this morning, we're gonna look at four different areas. And I'm gonna guess by the end, Peter is gonna step on all of our toes. There's not going to be a person here where you say, oh man, that, I'm, that, that wasn't, that was a little uncomfortable. There's not a person who's going to say like, you know what? There, was, there wasn't a, a single thing in there that maybe just go, ooh, okay. And, and so we're going to look at, at, at what Peter talks about and, and he's going to give us in, in what, what many commentators call um, um, uh, a household code. 
The household code was not, code was not new. It, was not, it certainly didn't originate with Peter. Um, and this was, this, was a, this was something that every civilization has, every, um, every, uh, every kind of uh, um, society, every religion, um, every, uh, even maybe certain nations with certain political philosophies. Like they have this, how, what's called a household code. And, and here's what it says. It's, it's essentially, here's how the home should act. Here's how it should be structured because in the grand scheme of civilization and government, when you, when you boil it down to its base unit, it comes down to the family unit, the home. And we, the collection of all the homes makes a community and then you collect communities and that becomes a big city. And then in our case, we have states, like a number of cities and boundaries create a state and then a nation. And, but, but when it comes down to it, in the, in the very bottom, like the, the, the foundation of all of it is the home and the household structure and how it should act and how it should look and, and, what, and, and, and what purpose it serves. And, and there are various different ideologies that have competing views of what the family unit should look like. We feel that in society today. It's a debate over what the family and the home should look like or should not look like or who should have authority over it. Peter is gonna give his household code and Paul does the same thing. And what do you know? They line up. It's almost, it's almost like someone's in charge of of making sure that we know what it says. <laughs> it's almost like God is putting it on their hearts to both talk about this household code and, and how Christians should interact in the world and how what they're gonna share is not what you're gonna like. But I'm glad you're here. I hope you come back next week. <laughs> here we go, ready? Here's what these, these four areas are gonna be talking about. The way of Jesus is the way of voluntary submission. What? You, maybe now you already have an idea of what Peter's gonna be discussing, but, but this is important. And the word voluntary is important. It's not about submission, it's about a willingfulness, a, a voluntarily decided submission that I'm going to choose this, not that it's chosen for me. These, those are very different. The word voluntary is very important. If you take that word out, everything falls apart. So the first of these four issues that Peter's gonna discuss with us about voluntary submission is this. The way of Jesus voluntarily submits to those in authority, in particular, the government. Oh man, really? I'm also gonna guess that prior to two years ago, this wasn't really an issue for us that most of us were like, submit to the government meant pay your taxes. It has since changed when we say, hey, we're told to submit to the governing authorities. Now it's, hold on, wait, but what if there's overreach? Hence the dilemma, the debate we're in of what do you do when it feels like, whether you agree or disagree that there is government overreach, uh, there are plenty on both sides who debate this. Here's what he says. Verse 13, submit yourselves, not for your sake, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority for him, like, all right, this is Caesar, he's in charge, or to the governors, those who are kind of in charge of various areas, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not... Use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. 
Then he says this, live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Peter tells us that that as an example of our witness to unbelievers, we should voluntarily submit to the governing authorities. What's interesting is that this is a guy who, who both obeyed and disobeyed that very advice. If you remember in Acts, uh, Acts chapter four and five, he and John are, are arrested for preaching the gospel. They say, you gotta stop this. You're creating division. You're creating a problem here. And they arrest them. They even have them beat it. And, and like they experience physical, uh, physical persecution for this. And then they say, all right, here's the deal. We're gonna let you go, but you gotta stop talking about Jesus. You're creating an uproar. You're creating, you're creating a problem, a riot, an issue here in our city. You gotta stop. And they say, hey, thanks for letting us go but we will not stop. We won't listen to you. And they say, we will obey God. We must obey God rather than men. In that moment, in that instance, Peter does not submit to governing authorities for a very good reason. But then in his life, he writes this. And he's actually writing, he's saying, submit to the very, listen, submit to the very person who will eventually kill him. The same government will eventually martyr him, he says, submit to the governing authorities, even to the point of death. And he didn't just say it, he actually experienced it. So for him, there was, there was certainly a line, a line that, that the government can't cross. And that line, ready for this? It was not death. That wasn't the line. The line was, do they do anything that that makes you sacrifice or, uh, or prevent you from living out your faith. If the government tries to corrupt your relationship with the Lord, that's the line in the sand. If they try to coerce your relationship with the Lord, that's the line in the sand. But it isn't. It isn't just because we disagree. He very much disagreed with what was going on. All right, Peter, you're already stepping on our toes. He brings up specifically this word slave. And, and a number of translations will translate this as servant, but the word is not servant. The word is slave. In Greek, it's doulos. It means the bond slave or someone who has, who has given over the control and authority and decisions of their life to someone else. And he says, you, you should live as God's slaves. Even though you're free, he says, you're free. But don't use your freedom to cover up evil. Instead, choose to submit your life as a free slave to God. That is crazy. He gives this paradox of like, you're free, but choose to live as a slave and do so as you submit to the Lord. The way of Jesus seems to be about voluntary submission, including government. And in doing so, God wants us to show, to show respect to all, to love the church, to fear God, and to honor the government. What does it mean to be a good, a good citizen, a good, a good a Christian member of society? He just sums it up right there. Respect everyone, love the church, fear God, and honor the government, the emperor, the king, the president, whoever it may be. All right. Exciting, right? 
that alone is a little like, oh, especially given what we've just went through, okay, I'm gonna have to wrestle through some things of what that looks like. That's only one of four issues. Here he goes. Number two, the way of Jesus voluntarily submits to unjust persecution. Whoa, wait a minute. Peter, seriously? Yes. Peter is now going to bring up slavery and he's gonna give us a general principle that is carried out in a very specific application. The application isn't really for us today, but the general principle absolutely is. See if you can see the general principle and, and, the, and the, the specific application. He says this, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, he mentions this word slaves. Again, some translations will say servants. That's not what this word is. This word is a different word than the previous word slaves, but it still literally is Slaves. The Greek word is not doulos here, it's oiketes, and it's a different kind of slave. It literally means like a house slave or house servant. It's someone who works, again, in the household code. It's someone who is assigned to the home. Slavery in the first century was very different than our understanding of it. We, we have a, a particular understanding of it, uh, and rightly so, understandably so. Um, uh, our, our, our experience and understanding of slavery was, uh, was certainly formed during our Civil War era of our time. Uh, we fought a war in part to end slavery. Uh, it is an abomination. It is an evil amongst all evils. Um, any form of slavery is, uh, is, uh, is wrong. Wrong is not strong enough word for what it is. And it is, uh, it is abuse. It is destructive of not just people, but entire societies. And, and because of our experience with slavery, like we still feel the fallout today. Hundreds of years later, we still understand and still feel the, like, the, the repercussions of what that was. Our slavery that we experienced was based on race and racism. Slavery in the first century was different. We, we see the word slaves and our mind immediately goes to what we what we remember what we've learned about and seen and and heard and and seen photos of and it's just it's just reprehensible it's just awful it's awful first century slavery was a little different first of all it's estimated that in the roman empire one out of four people were slaves not like citizens one out of four of the entire roman empire 25 percent were slaves this was not a small segment of the population. This wasn't just an isolated, a few issues here or there. This was like slavery was, was the lifeblood of the Roman economy. It's how they survived. It's, it's how it was the workforce in Rome. All that to say, it was not going away anytime soon. And so what, what, we, see people, what we see writers do in the scriptures, they don't, um, they don't ever condone slavery. Slavery is never condoned by the writers who write this. They never say like, oh, this is good. It, what they do is they acknowledge it as, as a real situation. This is really happening. All right, let's talk about it. And not only is it real, like is it, 
25% of the society in slavery, but many of those have chose to follow Jesus and are now Christians. What do they do? What should they do? What's the Christian response now? In Rome, you could be a, a, a slave a number of, any number of ways. It had nothing to do with race uh, or appearance. It was based on uh, if they conquered a neighboring tribe or village or nation, they would take them as slaves. Some were born into it. Um, some were indentured servants who, raised, who acquired a debt, couldn't pay it, and then said, all right, I'm gonna come work for you and I'm gonna live with you and, and we'll agree on the amount of years and now I'm your, I'm your doulos for however long it needs to be. Many times... Uh, these slaves were, were even educated. And, and the reason they, these, these particularly house servants were chosen was because they would help raise the children. They would help keep that, the master's house, in a, like his affairs in order. So it wasn't like the same idea of slavery that we have. It, it was not that. But, but yet there were still certainly times where, where people who, were, uh, who served in these roles were abused, of course. And it's, and it's, ter- it's, uh, it's abhorrent. And it really happened in Rome. It happens today. There are still people who are part of uh, uh, human trafficking and, and like this, there are people fighting this today. We also know this, there were Christians who fought to abolish slavery. Like those leading the charge, I mean, they have movies and books and, and all kinds of like stuff about specifically the guys who led the charge. And what do you know? They all did so because of their belief in the dignity of all people because of our creator. And, and it was Christians who fought against it. So to say that like the Bible is pro-slavery is just so silly. What, the, what writers in the Bible, what they do talk about is how to, how, to, how to interact with a culture, a society where it does happen. And so he says, when this happens, Peter, when there is unjust suffering you should look to the example of Jesus he says listen I, I can't tell you you're going to be you're going to be free though in other parts Paul actually does bring up if you're able to gain your freedom he says do so by all means but not everyone will not everyone can so he says look to Jesus here's what he says in verse 22 he Jesus now here's the example of Jesus he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He's not going to quote from Isaiah 53. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in, the body, in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep gone astray. But now you've returned to the, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus suffered unjustly and he entrusted himself, he says, to God, not men. The greater principle, the general principle that we see here is the second part of that. He says, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. He doesn't say slaves, he changes it to someone, to anyone at this point. Here's the principle. It is, it is commendable if someone suffers through unjust suffering in view of their understanding and their relationship with God, that they actually experience persecution. It's not right. It, it's, not, it's not how it should be. But man, God looks at that and says, wow, they, they really do believe what they say they believe. 
We don't see this play out in slavery today, in, in certainly not in our country, but the principle is still certainly true to say, you know what? There are times where I will experience unjust persecution, maybe in my workplace or in my business or in business dealings, that you're treated different because you're a Christian. Maybe in your family or at school or, um, or in your neighborhood with your neighbors or, or in, in your family or extended family. There are plenty of times where, where you and I experience unjust suffering. Not, certainly not the same way they did in Rome, but, but it still happens. And when it does, he says, look to Jesus. He experienced it too. That's the second one. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Those are just warm-ups. Here we go. You ready? The way of Jesus voluntarily submits to your husband. I think I almost walked out last service at this point to say, you know what? Let's be done here. <laughs> you hear that and you say, mm, what? You perk up a little bit. I, I remember having a... Um, uh, I, I think I may have shared this before, but I, I went on a mission trip a number of years ago um, to, uh, um, to Haiti. This is before the earthquake. This is a while ago. It might date me a little bit. But, uh, and, and I remember um, there were, it was all of us. We're all single, all young adults. And we're going on this trip like, oh, we're, this is great. There's, there's men and women and there's a pastor leading the trip and we're all going. And uh, for part of, the, uh, part of the like prep, we're doing, you know, team meetings and stuff and, and you know, team bonding and stuff. And and uh, I can't remember who it was. I th I'm, I'm pretty sure it was one of the, the ladies said, hey, what if, we, what if we did this for fun? What if we create a list of our top, top, the top 10 things we're looking for in a spouse? Like the ladies will come, the top 10 things we want in a guy, the top 10 things we want in a, in a girl. And like, all right, great. Like, I think the ladies were like, this is gonna be so fun. And us guys were like, all right, we got an hour till lunch, let's just do it. <laughs> so we come up with our list. We come up, we, we debate, we discuss, we look in the scripture and we get this list. And the ladies, you know, ladies, you go first, right? Because ladies first. So they go through and like, we want a guy who loves the Lord, who leads the family, leads me well, and is generous and kind. And, uh, and I think they said smart and funny. And it was like, okay. And, and nothing, nothing about physical appearance. It was like, okay, we got a shot. <laughs> you know, like the rest of us were like, we're funny. Like, we're kind, you know, like, we got those at least, right? And, and so they're all like, oh, that's so great. It's wonderful. And I was like, okay, all right, guys, your turn. And we're like, okay. And I don't remember who went. Thankfully, it was not me reading our list. And one of the guys was like, I'll do it. And, uh, you know, ladies, oh, great. Okay, that's wonderful. All right, and top of the list, submissive. <laughs> I mean, it went instantly from, ah, to like, what? <laughs> submissive. And then honestly, this, I, I remember the list. I, I think we threw, I think we burned it because, uh, and then the, the, the second one was, uh, was attractive. I mean, we're, we're, two, we're two into our 10 and the ladies are like, I don't know if I'm going on this trip. I'm like, I think we're gonna end this now, right? I mean, it turned, when we talk about this, the word submit, it turned instantly. And then what do you mean by submit? I mean, we didn't even get to the rest of the list. It was, hold on, hold on. What did you just say? We said, well, like, you know, like we want, we want a wife who like respects our leadership and is able to serve. And they go, you didn't say that. You didn't say respect, respect. Oh yeah, absolutely. I want a, I want a guy I can respect. That's on our list. You said, I don't even want to say it, right? <laughs> the way of Jesus 
The reason why we said that word, and here it is. The way of Jesus voluntarily submits to your husband. This passage has caused all kinds of, uh, as you can imagine, controversy and, de- and debate. And, and I imagine, even as we read it, many of us will have an emotional response to it. Here it is. This is, again, one of the reasons why this lady originally said, like, the Bible is pro-slavery and anti-woman. It's because of uh, uh, her understanding of this passage is like this. It says this, wives. Now, first of all, not women, wives. In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband so that, here's the reason, if any of them do not believe the word, like the word, they're not followers of Jesus. If any of them aren't believers, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence in your lives. Now, this is a situation that I think many in this room might find ourselves in, that maybe, that maybe you have a, a husband and you are here and you are a follower of Jesus and he is not. And that is no easy situation to find yourself in. We don't need to tell you that. And, and this, that, is, that is the situation that Peter has in mind when he's talking about this. I mean, he's talking about a general principle, but then he says very specifically, now, but, but not all of you have believing husbands, so this is gonna be different for you. And for you, you, like how you interact with your husband is evangelism. It's not about power or control. It's about they won't listen to the word. He, he uses this play on words, even in the Greek. He says, if, if they don't believe the word, then, then preach without words, he says. How you act and how you live is going to have a, 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 an effect on them. And so know that, be mindful of that. So when you, when you, in your relationship with your husband, try to win them over with, without words through, he says, purity, the purity and reverence of your lives. He goes on to say this, your beauty, wives, should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Some of you are like, wait, I got, okay, shoot. I got all, like, you just described me. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way that the holy women of the past put their hope who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. That is actually a funny story. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Don't be afraid of this. Um, the, the story he brings, that Peter brings up specifically is when Sarah obeys Abraham and calls him her Lord. It's the only time it happens. And it's when she is told she's gonna have a child, this promised child. And it said that she laughed. You remember, if you know this story, she laughs and she's like, ha! And it literally says, she says, in, like in the original language, in the Hebrew, it says, I am worn out. And my Lord, her husband, she says, my Lord is old. <laughs> it's like, oh. Like when she calls her husband Lord, it's in that instance, like, hey, you're old, man. <laughs> like, but you're, hey, you're my guy, I'm with you. And the Bible says like, like, hey, you know what? She understood that at least. And she says, but you know what? Even though I don't know how this is gonna happen, she, at that moment, she's 90. She, I'm 90. How am I supposed to have a child? But all right, if you say so. Oh, whatever that means, whatever it looks like. And so what, what we see, like we, we um, 
uh, as a staff, we went through First Peter a number, a number of years ago, maybe a year ago now. And we, we, every month as a staff, we get together and we do, uh, one of our staff meetings we do is, is just Bible study. We just show up and we just go through the Bible and, and we just go like we're doing, verse by verse, passage by passage. And, uh, and it's a great time. And we talked specifically about this and, and so like, what's the equivalent today of, of the, of the uh, you know, elaborate hairstyles styles and gold jewelry and fine clothes. And, and, and because it's more so than just like looking nice. It's not what he's talking about. This was, this was a lifestyle of the kind of the, the typical, the prototypical Roman woman of just being extremely like showy. And what we realized was oh, it's probably, it's probably the Hollywood like style. It's probably the like award show. What dress is that? And, and how much money have you spent on that? And, and it's all about like making yourself look one way. And, and none of us, none of us would disagree with this. Hey, listen, like, there's nothing wrong with, with like looking nice, but, but that, that isn't you. Beauty phase, we know that. And he says the same thing. Instead, focus on your inner self. We would all say this like, no, 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 the true me, like if I'm gonna be beautiful on the outside or inside, I mean, we all will, like, I think we all would say both. <laughs> but if you had to pick, I think inner, I think inner beauty wins every time. I wanna be, like, I want me to look good, not just the outside me. By the way, the outside you is gonna keep changing. Not for the better, by the way. It's gonna keep going downhill as much as you fight it. So he says, don't focus on that. Focus on the inner you. Now, there's a limit to this where he talks about submitting to your husbands. There is a limit. There are two that I know of, two that are uh, two lines in the sand, so to speak. First one is abuse of any kind. Listen, this is not, and this, this passage has been used to, uh, to, to further the abuse of women in ways that is like, I, I just, it, it, makes me, it makes me sick. And I, I, I remember even, I remember even this last week just happened to coming across some articles of, of churches from pastors, well-known pastors of well-known churches who told women to stay with their abusive husbands because that was what they were supposed to do. And I'm reading this going, are you, hold on, hold on. There is a difference between submitting to your husband and continuing to put yourself or your kids in harm's way. That is not the same thing. This is not, this is not an excuse to abuse or to say, well, you have to do this. Whether it's spiritual or emotional or physical abuse, it is never okay it's not okay in the Christian relationship. It's not okay in any relationship. It's not okay in the church. It's not okay for anyone to say, well, you need to submit because thus saith the Lord. No. The second is this. If they, your husband, want you to compromise your faith, you don't do it. You say, hey, respectfully, I cannot. There's a line in the sand. I cannot compromise my faith because you asked me to. Just like Peter can't compromise to the government because they want him to compromise his faith. You say, no, 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 listen, I love you, but I cannot do that. I want you to stop going to church. I want you to leave the, 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 the I, want you to, I want you to take the kids out of church. I want you to stop, to get, just give up this whole faith thing. No, 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 listen, submitting to your husband does not mean compromising your faith and it does not mean to continue to allow yourself to be abused. 
two guys write a book, wrote a book called Boundaries. It's a great book, and they have a chapter on boundaries in marriage. And they say this, we have never seen a quote-unquote submission problem where there's an issue of, of one trying to claim the other needs to submit. We've never seen a submission problem that did not have a controlling husband at its root. I, I don't know if you've thought about this like this, but there's never a time in Scripture where, where Peter or Paul or anyone tells the husband to tell the wife to submit. The role of the husband isn't to say, hey, listen, you need to submit to me because the Bible says. At that moment, the problem is not with the wife. It's not a matter of you, th this says it, so you have to do it or else. That is coercion and can be spiritual abuse. What Peter is saying is, hey, wives, the challenge is to voluntarily submit and to do this because you choose to, not because someone tells you to, not because you're forced to. This is where the abuse comes. This is where the, the anti-woman sentiment of Christianity comes, where it's just us guys telling the wives what they have to do. That's not at all the household code for, for marriage in the Christian family. Instead, we see scripture sets up the family structure and, and commends women to respect their husband's leadership, but it never tells men to force submission upon their wife. All right, the last one. Men, we're not, we're not out of this. Here's what he says now. Husbands, in the same way, Likewise, just like in, in this continue, this, 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 uh, this posture of voluntary submission, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wife. Some translations say, be understanding, like, to, to like literally the Greek is, is, uh, is uh, to, uh, to treat her with knowledge, like understanding who she is. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. All right, amen, as the weaker partner. What? Oh, shoot. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Essentially, listen, if you don't do this, God will stop listening to you. Oh, whatever the this is seems to be important because if I don't do it, it will actually hinder my prayers. Like God says, hey, you know what? I want to answer that, but you're not being very considerate of your wife, are you? Oh, shoot. Really? Yeah, kind of a big deal. What we see that, that, that Paul talks about is, is um, this idea of mutual submission. Paul even takes it a, little, a step further and says, hey, um, husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loves the church. And he says this, and gave himself up for her. Oh. That it's, it's our role, actually. It's like the husband's role to, to be willing to die for her. So what is he talking about when he says respect the, the weaker partner? I'm sure that as we read that, that pops out and you say, what, Peter? The, the weaker partner? Some translations say the weaker vessel? What kind of weakness is in view here? How are, how are women, like in what ways, Peter, are, are women weaker than men? I'll take your answer. Is it spiritually that women are spiritually weaker than men? Of course not. Is it emotionally no, if anything, like women are, are more in tune with, with emotion than men. Is it intellectually? Of course not. That's silly. Is it morally? No. So what is this? What does the Greek tell us? In the Greek, it literally means physically weaker. That, that hey, listen, they are the weaker, the weaker partner. Literally, like 
on the general scale, I know that, you know, in 2022, this is debated, like gender and, and equality, but like at, on a general scale, women, generally speaking, are not as physically strong as men. Now, we can, I hope most of us would agree with the general statement. Um, I also know that in this room, there are probably plenty of women who could beat me up. It's not true in every instance that every woman is stronger than every man. There may be some who want to right now, like, but generally speaking, he's like, hey, listen, men, you have to understand and to be considerate with, with your wife, knowing that, that abuse is different when it's, when it's, when it's placed on her and, and physically she is weaker. But now listen, weakness does not speak to value. I have, I have with me here two things and, and uh, two, two bowls. And, and I think, I hope it will help us understand this idea of weaker versus value. This is just, you know, just a bowl, just a metal bowl. It's a salad bowl. And uh, you, you guys probably have similar things in your house. And it's like, it's, it's made to be strong, right? I mean, it's like, it's like, there's not much you can do to this, right? It's like, it'll be fine. It's fine. Gentlemen, that's us. You are just a dumb metal bowl, right? You have your uses, but like, there it is, right? Women though, like he says, as the weaker vessel, okay, I have this. Now this, and it might not look like it. This is my wife's fine china. You probably have some in your house, right? This is just a bowl. But if I were to drop this, no, just kidding. <laughs> if I were to drop this, like, whoa, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. This is clearly, this is, this is, this is clearly weaker than, than this. But, but by no means is it less valuable or less cherished. In fact, we could say like, like if you're gonna have nice guests come over, like, hey, get the nice stuff. Okay, I pull, I'm like, I got our nice salad bowl. What are you doing? <laughs> right? This morning I told my wife, um, she didn't know I was doing this and, and, or the passage or whatever. And I'm like, hey, I need a, I got a bowl and then I'm like, I'm gonna take, I need to get one of our, our China, fine China ones. And it's, you know, in this hutch and it's got a whole set and we got it when we got married. And it's like this whole, it's like on display. It's like, you know, you probably do it in your house too. It's like the nice stuff. And I go, I'm gonna take one of these bowls. And she, I, first I told her, I, I, I'm gonna take one of these. She goes, okay, whatever, be silly. And, and, then, and then I said, I'm taking one of these. She goes, wait, 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 hold on. You better take good care of it. I'm like, of course I am. That's fine. She goes, no, no, no. Listen, I know. I know we joke, but like, seriously, you better take care of that. And I go, I'm, I'm going to be careful. And she goes, you are a metal bowl. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, I'm worried about it. Don't tell her the first service. I might have accidentally hit the two together. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But it's because we know just because something's weaker doesn't mean they're less valuable. In fact, we would say this is more precious. When Peter talks about this, I think this, this like strong and weaker partner, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this back, okay? Uh, it, it doesn't speak to value. It speaks to how you treat them. When, when, Paul, talks about, when Paul talks about loving your wife as Jesus loves the church and be willing to give, your, who, who Jesus gave himself for her, um, he's the only one of the two, this is the only one of the two that is told you're supposed to be willing to make this sacrifice. At men, husbands, you are to be willing to literally give your life for your wife. Wives, you have no such biblical mandate. <laughs> you're off the hook. You're not told to. Now, maybe you do. Maybe you love them enough. Maybe you're like, finally. <laughs> but, but listen, in all honesty, what we're told to do is because 
of the, the various roles in the household and how it's set up, men, you'd be willing to die for them. I remember a few weeks ago, uh, uh, it was my wife and I were, you know, in bed sleeping and four in the morning, our alarm goes off. We have an alarm in the house. And I mean, it's like the full thing, right? Like, okay, you know, we practice for this. And we get up. I think we both get up at the same time. She gets it for me. She hits me and she's like, you gotta go check it out, right? I'm like, why me? Oh, I'm supposed to, right? So I get up, I'm, you know, I'm, I have clothes on, thankfully. Like, I'm like, you know, dressed. I've got a shirt and pants. I don't have shoes, but I'm like, okay. And I go down and I run down because it's going off and I'm trying to, someone's in here. It's the first, it's like the first time in our life where in our marriage where we're like, there could be someone in here, literally right now. Like our alarm's going off. That means a door or something got opened and it wasn't supposed to. All the kids are in bed. There's no one around. So I run down, I turn on the lights and I'm like, I see the garage door, like the door to our garage is cracked open. In the movies, that's, that's how you die. <laughs> it's cracked a little bit and you know, this is not good. There's some bad's gonna happen. And so I'm like, oh, oh, okay, what do I do? What do I do? She's upstairs, got the phone, like the, you know, the, the 911's calling or whatever to check on the alarm. And, um, and I'm like, okay, she's staying up there. Here we go, here we go. So I quickly, in one motion, I, I, I didn't practice this, but it was really good. One motion, open the door, turn on the lights and go, get out of here. <laughs> no one, the wind blew uh, the door open, like from the, like it was like a suction in the garage. It just was, it wasn't latched all the way from when the kids came home. And then it just goes, and I'm like, I was ready though. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, in that moment, I'm thinking, I, do, I literally have no weapon other than my voice. I'm just, I got, I can try and talk him down, but that's all I got right now. I just rushed down here and all right, here's the deal. If it happens again, guess who runs? Guess who does it? I don't send the wife. I don't send the kids. No. Part of the, part of the household code is knowing that it may, it may, it may cost me my life, but that's the way of, of submitting and loving my family, my wife even if it cost me my life. The way of Jesus is the way of voluntary submission and no one is immune to it. No one gets out of it. No one says like, hey, you need to submit to me, but there's no one I get to submit to. There's nothing that I have to do. The way of Jesus is understanding and choosing to voluntarily submit and potentially sacrifice in all areas of our life. So we're gonna worship the Lord together. We're gonna worship Jesus and, and submit to him in worship. So would you do this? Would you stand with me? And, and I, want us, I want to challenge us to think about in your life, in your area, in your world, in your relationships, where do you need maybe to just, all right, I'm going to voluntarily submit and sacrifice out of respect for this person or for a spouse or for this relationship. Okay, all right. If I follow the way of Jesus, the example of Jesus, it's one of service, not of lording it over. Will you pray with me and then we'll worship the Lord. So Lord, we thank you for your, your goodness. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for your example as one who suffered on our behalf unjustly, who gives us an example of, of how to to stand up in the midst of persecution, in the midst of unfair, unjust persecution. God, Jesus, will we look to your example? Will you help all of us in our relationships 
to understand the importance of submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus and our love for you. We worship you now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.